This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Whistler was an American radio program running for a total of 13 years, from 1942 to 1955. It was one of the most popular mystery dramas of its time. Signal Oil Company sponsored the program, and the marketing catchphrase was, Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. The ominous opening words were spoken along with the echo of footsteps and Wilbur Hatch's 13-note theme, whistled weekly by Dorothy Roberts for 13 years. Bill Foreman had the title role as host and narrator, and the Whistler seldom featured any major Hollywood stars, but the quality of writing and performance made it a radio mainstay. And now, tonight's episode, Death Has a Thirst. Wait a minute. Have you heard the weird tales of the Whistler? I'm the Whistler. Here's the sanitarium, Harvey. Is he still unconscious? Yes. Here comes the attendant. We're all ready for him, Mrs. Jackson. Take his feet, Harold. Oh. Had to tie him, eh? Yes, I had to give him a good one on the chin. You'll have to watch him. He may try to get away when he comes to. Don't worry, we've got a lot of tough cases here. Don't let him know who brought him here. And don't let him know I had anything to do with it. Leave everything to us. It's a two-hour drive back to the city, Donna. Yes, sir. Well, I'll I'll phone you tomorrow. Good. If anything happens, we'll call you. Thank you. Uh, Good night. Saturday night, and again, CBS presents... The Whistler. I, the Whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales. I know many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the mysterious tale of death as a thirst. The long black car with a handsome man at the wheel and the woman beside him returns to the highway and speeds on through the night. The man and woman sit staring ahead, lost in thought. The man is Harvey Davis. The woman, Mrs. Victor Jackson, wife of the unconscious man recently deposited at the sanitarium. I'm sorry I dragged you into this, Harvey. But I had to have some help and I knew I could depend on you. It's all right, Donna. I only hope it'll do some good. Victor never drank a drop while we were in 
at school. He didn't drink when we were first married. But after his father died and Victor took over the business, he started. It's a huge concern, and I guess he just couldn't take it. He's always had an inferiority complex. But the thing that hurts me most is that the drinking has completely changed him. Why, he's suspicious of every move I make. He accuses me of the most disgraceful things. Accuses me of lying to him about everything and of being in love with with other men. Oh, countless things. Other men? What men? Any man I speak to. Even you, Harvey. Me? Well, after all, if he's going to be suspicious of any man, it would logically be me. Why? You've brought most of your troubles to me. He knows that. I'm as good a victim as any. He knows I'm terribly fond of you. Are you, Harvey? From the first day I met you, I said, here's a woman, a strong woman. Maybe she'll develop some backbone in my willy-nilly friend, Victor. That's very nicely put, Harvey. Let's hope the sanitarium does him some good. If it doesn't, I don't know what I'll do. Don't worry, Donna. Just remember, I'll do anything for you. Thank you, Harvey. About midnight, the black sedan arrives at the Jackson mansion. The butler greets Harvey and Donna at the door. Evening, Mrs. Jackson. Evening, Mr. Davis. Evening. Uh, Dr. Saunders is in the library, ma'am. He's waiting for you. Dr. Saunders at this hour? What on earth does he want? You'd better see him, Donna. Maybe he knows. How could he? Come with me, Harvey. Of course. Oh, good evening, Dr. Saunders. Good evening, Donna. Evening, Harvey. Hello, Doctor. This is quite a surprise. I can imagine. I, um... Um, Harvey and I, we've just been for a little drive. I felt I needed some air. All right, so? Um, did you come to see Victor? Uh, Victor isn't here. Really? But I know where he is. You do? He's in a cheap dive of a rooming house downtown. What? But that's impossible. That's where he always goes. Well, you're wrong this time, Doctor. I took him by force to a sanitarium tonight. Harvey, help me. Maybe they can do something for him. You told the sanitarium that I was his physician, didn't you? Yes. Well, they called me an hour ago. He's escaped. <gasps> what? They said he came to and broke away from them. I know where he usually goes, and I can find him. If you want me to find him. Well, what are you inferring, Doctor? Donna, I know what you've been through with Victor. I know what a trial it's been. I've tried, and you've tried. We've all tried everything we could do to make him stop. Not many women would have put up with what you have. We've dragged him through before. We probably can do it again. I just thought, well, maybe you'd had enough. You do know where he is? Yes, I'm pretty sure I know. Well, then find him. I'm determined to cure him if I have to take him to a desert island. That's an idea. Long ocean trip might be the answer. Just after hog time. I could do that, too. Very well, I'll have a talk with him. I'll phone you in the morning. Good night. Good night, Doctor. Oh, Harvey. Now, now, now. You've done your best, Tom. Oh, but I feel so hopeless. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Try the desert island. Why not? Harvey, it might work, mightn't it? You can help. Your yacht, Dr. Saunders, may be right. Oh, at least it's worth a try. I wonder. Please, Harvey, it may be the answer. I can't get away just now, but... If you're determined, you're welcome to the aunt. Oh, please, I'd feel better if you came along. All right, Donna. I'll go. I'll arrange it. But he won't want to come. We'll take him aboard by force. Shanghai? 
All right. Just let me know when you find him, and I'll arrange everything. He sure was plastered. Well, I'll leave you alone with him, Doctor. Thanks. That high pole will bring him out of this. Victor. Victor. What? What? What's going on here? Who are you? Get away. Quiet, quiet. Take it easy, Victor. Huh? Who, who are you? Doc Saunders. Doc? Oh, what you want? I want to talk to you, Victor. It's very important. Yeah. Important? Come on, Victor. Snap out of it. Okay. Hey, what's the idea? What you slap me for? To wake you up. I've got to talk to you. Oh. Oh, hello, Doc. What are you after? Is your head clear? I guess so. Then listen to me. You know where you are? Yeah. Yeah, my old haunt. You know how you got here? No. Let me see. I... No, I... I can't seem to remember. Well, I'll tell you where you're going. You don't pull yourself together. Where? To the insane asylum. Did you say asylum? I did. I haven't told you this, but your great-grandfather died insane. What? And that was your father's greatest fear, that he would be a victim. Oh. And there's nothing that hastens final mental breakdown more than alcohol. Insanity? Are you just telling me that? No, I can prove it. Good Lord. Do you want that to happen to you? Oh, no, no. Oh, but I... Well, I, I just can't seem to quit. You're going away, Vic. Away? Where? I'm sending you on a long voyage with no liquor. Oh, no. No, you're not. No, no, no. I'll get hold of myself. You said that before. I can take it or leave it alone if I want to. But you haven't so far. You've gone from bad to worse. Now you're going where you can't get it. But, Doc, I, I can't. I'd die. I couldn't stand it. You'll stand it and like it. If I have to kill you. No. No, I won't be pushed around by anyone. I know who's back of this, Donna. She wants to get rid of me. Asylum, yeah. Yeah, that'd suit her fine. She'd like that. So she can cavort around with Harvey and all the others. Shut up, Vic. You're all planning to get rid of me. You don't like me. You're taking a trip. Get rid of me and you all share in the estate. Well, you'll see how much good it'll do. Oh. But you are taking a trip, Victor. Here you are, Victor, several hundred miles at sea. And worried, too, aren't you, Victor? That talk about insanity really upsets you. You believe it, too, don't you? <laughs> uh, what? Oh, what's this? Where am I? Donna. Do you feel better? What is this? It, it's moving. I, oh, I feel dizzy. I don't think you're dizzy. We're on a boat, darling. What boat? We're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. A boat? Doc Saunders. That's what he said. A, a voyage. It's his oh, idea. Oh, now, Victor. Everything's going to be all right. I know what you're planning to do. You're planning to kill me. You want to get rid of me. Want me to die. You won't die. Whose boat is this? Harvey Jacques. Harvey. Now I know it's a plot. Now I know what it's all about. You and Harvey, that's it. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Victor. Harvey consented to let me have the yacht. Is he on board? Yes. Of course. You and Harvey and me a prisoner. What a perfect setup. You don't mean that, Victor. I've been suspicious of you two all along. Who else is on board? Nobody but the captain and the crew of four. And Harvey and the doctor. Where are you taking me? We're just cruising. 
Just cruising. Till you find the right spot. Right spot for what? To dump me overboard. No one will ever know, will they? And you'll say I jumped over. I was washed over the side. Oh, Victor, what has happened to you? You're like a stranger to me. I, I, I just don't know you. It doesn't seem possible that you're the man I married. My darling, what's happened to you? Don't you know? If I only did. Why, I'm crazy. Insane. Surely you knew that. My great-grandfather was insane, and my grandfather, and undoubtedly my father, so why not me? You're talking nonsense. No. Hasn't Doc Saunders told you what he knows? I know. Oh, come now. You three are closer than that. Stop talking such nonsense. I won't listen. Uh, I'm getting out of this cabin. I can't stand to be cooped up like this. No, no, please stay here for a while, Victor. Please. Here, I... I brought you some milk. Please drink it. Milk? Ah. Got a funny color to it. And it smells strange. What's in it, arsenic? It's just plain milk, Victor. Now drink it. Do you like milk, Donna? Yes, I love milk. Then drink it yourself. Victor! Oh, all over my dress. They're trying to poison me, that's it. Now get out of here. Get out! Oh, Victor, please, darling. Get out! you want, Doc. How do you feel, Victor? They're trying to kill me. They plan to kill me. Who? Donna and Harvey. She just brought me some milk and it had poison in it. I could tell by the color. I think you're imagining things, Victor. No, no, I'm not. They want me out of the way. I can tell. What made you think the milk was poison? It, it was a purplish color. Here, here's the glass. Smell it. Hmm. Maybe I'm not so crazy after all. I didn't all. say you were crazy. I only want you to stop drinking. Drink may bring it on. Doc, where would they get poison? Oh, come now, forget it. Do you know where they get poison, Doc? I'll see you later, Victor. Maybe. Did you send for me, Doctor? Yes. Did you take some milk to Victor? Yes, I did. What'd you put in it? Why should I put anything in it? Victor thinks you did. You should know me better than that, Doctor. You did put something in it? Oh, yes, I did. Some of that red liquid to make him quiet. Oh, yes, of course, that's what it was. He threw it all over me. Oh, I... I'm thoroughly disgusted, Doctor. I... I can't go on with him this way. He isn't drinking, but there's something wrong. I decided to give it up as a bad job. I, I'm going to get a divorce. Divorce? I'm afraid it's too late for that, Donna. Too late? Why, what do you mean? Well, there's something I haven't told you. I've been hoping it wouldn't be necessary. But after today, I've given up all hope. Why can't I get a divorce? You can't get a divorce from an insane person. Insane? Good heavens. A secret in Victor's family for several generations. Not even Victor knew it. It touched his father ever so lightly, but Victor has all the symptoms. And the liquor has hastened the crack up. I couldn't be certain as long as he was drinking. But today, I realized the truth. Well, I'm bewildered. I've never been so shocked in my life. I wish you hadn't told me. I'm sorry, Donna. I wanted you to be on your guard. He has some strange hallucination about you and Harvey. He thinks you're planning to do away with him. Do away with him? Oh, that's ridiculous. I... 
I've never had such a thought. Never. Oh, but now I am frightened. Doctor, what about Alice? Your daughter's only eight years old. There are no symptoms, and it may miss her entirely. But think what this will mean if, if this gets out about Victor. Why, it may ruin her whole life. I understand that. That must never happen. It must remain a secret. That'll be difficult. It's going to be hard to handle when that craving returns. Yes, he will. I'll think of something. I'll find a way. It's Harvey Davis. What's wrong, Captain? Found him in his bunk with a cord around his neck. Good heavens. Sit quiet, Donna. Come along. Is he dead? No, he's breathing. Found him just in time. He'll be all right in a few minutes. Thank heaven. Harvey, Harvey. Harvey. Uh Donna, what's wrong? What's happened? Nothing much, Harvey. Just a little accident. You'll be all right. Oh, my throat. What's going on? You don't remember? A little nap. I feel as though I've been choked. Better tell him, Donna. Come along, Captain. Any liquor aboard, Captain? Yes, Doctor. Several bottles in the locker in my cabin. Let's have a look. I keep it locked because, uh... Hey, it's been jimmied. Well, what do you know? It's all gone. I expected that. I'll skin those men alive. Don't, don't blame the men, Captain. What do you mean? have hit a reef. All three of the men with crew are down there. We've got to abandon. I, I'm, I'm hurt bad, Captain. He's dead. See to the lifeboat. Round up the others. I'll go below. Yes, Captain. Murphy! Jump! Murphy! Are you there? Good God, what a mess. I can't imagine the... Two days pass. The sun beats down relentlessly on the five survivors in the open boat. The doctor watches anxiously over the still unconscious captain. Donna and Harvey keep a constant eye on Victor, who sits alone in the end of the boat, staring at the horizon. How's the captain, Doctor? Still holding his own. Must have had a bad fall down that companionway. I don't think he fell. Good thing you went down after him. Running low on water, I hope we sight some land today. How much water have you left in your canteen, Donna? Apple. Hey, look over there. What's that? Why, it's a ship. No, it's land. An island. Grab an oar, Victor. Come on, Doc. Well, I've looked all around. Places as barren of food and water as the Sahara Desert. I'm afraid if we do locate any water, it won't be fit to drink. There must be water. What do you care about water? You've got a canteen full of whiskey. How much water is left? I have some, and Dr. Saunders has some. So I'd better get busy. Although my experiences on these islands uh, haven't been so good. Here's a chance to put your chemistry to use, Harvey. You know the test for lead and zinc? Yes. I'll give you two vials, some sodium sulfide tablet and some potassium chromate. You know the test, one tablet of each and ten cc's of water. Mm-hmm. A dark precipitate means poison. Yes, I know. Thanks, Doc. Well, I'll start off and keep a direct line to the other side. Wherever that is. Wait a minute, Harvey. I think I'll go with you. Oh, why? Oh, maybe I can help. I'd go with you, Harvey, but I'd better keep my eye on the captain. He's the only one who knows where we are. I've got to pull him through. That's all right, Doc. I don't need any help. I think I'll go anyway. 
All right. If you insist, come on. Harvey, wait. I'm going to. Why? Because I want to. We don't need you. But I'm coming just the same. <laughs> Please, Harvey, I, I'd like to come. All right. Let's go. It's certainly hot. How do you feel, Donna? All right. How far have we come? Oh, ten miles, I should say. This is a pretty big island at that. And nothing but desert. Are you sure those last two water holes were poisoned? Certainly. Look good to me. I'm getting mighty thirsty. Better quit drinking that whiskey. It'll only make you thirstier. Harvey, can I have a little water? I'm sorry, Donna, but you'll have to suffer it as long as you can. Please wait. You suppose we'll ever get out of here? I don't know. It's all my fault. What a shame to get you into such a mess. Please forgive me, Harvey. There's nothing to forgive, Donna. I'd do it again a hundred times over. Will you? Would you, Harvey? Yes. Poor Victor, what a sad thing. No one must ever know, Harvey. Promise me if we get out of this. Promise me you'll never let anyone know. No one will ever learn from me. I got him! What on earth? Harvey, got a gun. Where'd he get it? Come on. I got him. Look. Look. A lizard. A big one. I knew we'd find something. Put that down. You can't eat that. There must be water around here. There must be. Where'd you get that gun? Out of the captain's locker. Better take it easy with those shells. We may need them. Yeah. Maybe I will. Have a drink? No. All right. I'd sure like some water. How about it? There's just enough for one of us to get back. And if only one goes back, it'll be Donna. Donna. How chivalrous. Who's got the water? I have. Come on. Let's keep moving. There's water around here. There must be. And I'm going to find it. Donna, if we don't find water, he's going to start pleading for what you have. No matter how much he raves or pleads, don't give it to him. He will be, even if he threatens us with a gun, tell him you drank it all. I want you to have the best break out of this. Thanks, Harvey. I appreciate that. I found it. Water. I found water. Hurry, Donna. Hurry. <laughs> a test show. Just like all the rest. Full of lead and zinc and heaven knows what else. Poison, huh? Worst chance. How about some of that water? What water? In Donna's canteen. There isn't any more. Who drank it? I did. You both did. You left none for me. You've got your whiskey. I can't drink whiskey all the time. You've done pretty well on it for several years. I've got to have some water. Harvey warned you. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Is that all you think about, Harvey? You should have married Harvey. Perhaps you're right about that. You sure that water's poison? I'm not drinking it. And I'm thirsty, too. Maybe you're just waiting. For what? I don't know. But I can imagine a few things. We'd better stop here for the night. Are you very tired, Donna? Awfully. Better try and get some sleep. Where are you going, Victor? Just going to look around. May find something. I'm hungry. I'm going to build a fire with this brush. Don't get too far away. I'll be around. Don't worry. Keep a close watch on your canteen, Donna. I have an idea what he's up to. I'll try not to sleep, but I'm dead tired. I'll do my best, Harvey. If he goes to sleep, I'll try to get that gun away from him. <laughs> Good night, Donna. Good night, Harvey. Night comes on. The fire burns low. And only a red glow remains. Donna, in spite of herself, drops off into a sound sleep. Victor stirs from his place twenty feet away, looks about him, and crawls silently toward the sleeping Donna. Put it down, Victor. 
I want some water. There isn't any more. I think there is. You heard what I said. You're lying. You have got some. Victor, what is it? You've got some water and you won't give me any. Harvey. I'm wise to you. You don't want me to have any. You want me to die. You're in love with each other. You're drunk. What if I am in love with Harvey? What of it? Donna. You want me out of the way. Neither of you is very thirsty. No. Because you had some water. And you got it out of that pool. You're lying to me. It's good water. You're crazy. You sneaked it out of there while I was asleep. You, you tried to make me think it was poison. I ought to shoot you both. All right, Victor, if you're so positive. Go on down and drink out of the pool. Oh, that gives me an idea. I'll just find out if that water's poison. Go drink some of it, Harvey. Certainly not. I'll give you 30 seconds. It's poison, Victor. Go ahead, drink, or I'll shoot. No, don't do it, Harvey. And supposing you drink some, Donna. Very well, I will. Victor, it'll kill her. Donna, wait. I'll drink it. You're a fool, Victor. But come along. Uh, uh, this is going to be very interesting. Not as much as you think. Get off of me. I'll kill you. Maybe that'll hold you, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Uh, I'm all right, Donna. Just at my shoulder. I hope you're satisfied now that it is poison, Victor. Maybe. But you two are getting water for some place. All right. Hand over that canteen, Donna. Please, Victor. That's what Donna. I'll take care of it for all of us. And if either of you make a move toward me, I'll shoot both of you. Good night. And sleep tight, both of you. The night slowly fades. The chill of dawn creeps in. Then as the sun comes over the horizon, Harvey stirs fretfully, opens his eyes and looks for Donna. She sits beyond the dead embers of the campfire, her hands folded before her, staring blankly into space. Harvey raises up with a start and moves quickly to her side. Victor is sprawled on his back, the hilt of a hunting knife protruding from his breast. Donna. Donna. Good. What's happened to Victor? He's dead, Harvey. Dead? At night. That's yours, Donna. Yes, it's mine. Now no one will ever know. Will I, Harvey? No. I had to. I had to. Harvey, hello there. It's Dr. Saunders. Uh, here we are. Well, thank heavens we found you. Sighted a ship, built a signal fire. They're waiting for us. Well, what's this? Well, Victor must have, uh, must have gone crazy in the night and stabbed himself. Let me see. He's dead, Harvey. How'd this happen? I told you, he... He must have, uh, Stabbed himself? No, he, no, he didn't. I stabbed him. It's my knife. I, I got to thinking. I did it. I crept over and I stabbed him. I see. When did you do this, Donna? It was... It was not more than an hour ago. I couldn't help it, Doctor. I, I couldn't help it. Please, Donna, please. There's nothing to fear. I didn't want anybody to know. Because of Alice. They won't know, Donna. You didn't kill him. What? He's been dead for at least three hours. Well, what do you mean? Look at his eyes. Look at his lips and his tongue. And the swelling of his stomach. Did you test the pool, Harvey? Yes. Every pool we've come to has been heavy in mineral content. I warned him, but he thought we were lying to him. Last night, he pulled a gun and took Donna's canteen. There wasn't much in it, but it was all we had. He 
He's been drinking whiskey, so a little water wouldn't satisfy him. So he drank from the pool. Ah, poor Victor. I guess it's just as well. Don't worry, Donna. No one will ever know. Will they, Doctor? There's nothing to tell. Except Victor Jackson poisoned himself in a fit of extreme thirst. No, Donna. No one will ever know. You did your best. You tried hard to make things work out. But somehow fate seemed to take things right out of your hands. <laughs> but you know better, don't you, Harvey? You know what happened. Tell us, Harvey. Tell us. After Victor took the canteen from Donna and drank the few swallows in it, he fell off to sleep. Then I took the canteen and filled it from the poison pool. I knew he'd wake up with a greater thirst, and he did. But I'm not sorry. He's better off. And I found I do love Donna. And I'll take care of her for the rest of her days. There you are. From drama to tragedy. From tragedy to a beautiful love story wherein they will live happily ever after. <laughs> I know. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler stories are written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originate from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time, I, The Whistler, return to tell you the incredible tale of the Secret Seven. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband and a show that was first aired in 1948. Time now for My Favorite Husband. We present My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denny. This is the story of Mr. and Mrs. Kuga. The record of a happy marriage. Two people who live together and like it. The comfortable front bedroom of the comfortable suburban home of the Kugats doesn't look very comfortable this morning. Articles of clothing are strewn about the floor and across the bed. George hurriedly plows through the debris getting dressed while Liz tries to cram all of their things into three suitcases. Liz, dear, what's all this stuff you're packing? We're only spending the weekend at your mother's, not the whole summer. Well, I'm only taking the bare necessities. Slacks, sunsuit, a few dresses, shoes, cosmetics, hose, undies. Mm, well, what have you packed for me? 
your toothbrush and trunks. Is that all? I want you to get a good tan. Pack some clothes for me, Scatterbrain. I wish you were driving out to Mother's with me, George. No, it's impossible, darling. Can't miss my board meeting. I wonder what the surprise can be that Mother's been telling us about. Hmm, I'm afraid to guess. Her last surprise was the wrestler she was sponsoring. Remember mm-hmm. him? He called himself the Hawk. Oh, what a wrestler. Yeah, in his first match, the Hawk flew clear out of the ring. Well, if she has another wrestler, I'll just throw him out of the house. <laughs> Evidently, you've never heard of Gorgeous George You are Gorgeous George Finish your packing (laughs) Where's my new bathing suit? I can't find it Your new bathing suit? Well, maybe a moth had a spare second and ate it Here it is, and it isn't that skimpy It's shameful You're too prudish You're too nudish (laughs) You should see Alice Sturm's bathing suit She got arrested at the beach Hmm, must be... Pretty bad. Oh, it was. But they couldn't prosecute. Why not? No evidence. (laughs) Mm, Which nightgown should I take? My canary yellow or my parrot green? Mm, What about your goose chartreuse? (laughs) Well, got to run now, honey. See you tonight. Drive carefully. George Cougar, don't you criticize my driving. I'm a good driver. Sure, honey. You've never driven up a telephone pole. Of course not. Anyway, not to the top. Ha-ha, very funny. I read in the magazine the more accidents were caused by men than by women. Hmm? When did you read that? The other day while I was driving downtown. Mother! Oh, Liz, darling! Mother, you look marvelous, so young and healthy. Oh, is this country life, dear? I found there's nothing better than fresh milk and clean soil. Well, it's certainly done a lot for you. <laughs> yes. Makes a wonderful mud pack. Uh, uh, where's George? Well, he had to attend the board of directors meeting. He'll be up later. Oh, they're having him during the day now. That's nice. Your father always had to go to the board meetings at night. At night? Yes, poor dear. Tell me, are they still holding them at the Whoopie Club? <laughs> no, Mother. Now the bubble dancer comes to the bank. Oh. <laughs> Mom, what's this big surprise of yours? I've been wondering about it all the way up here. Oh, well, see if you can guess. Well, some of the things you do, Mother, I'm almost afraid to guess. Oh. Let's see now. Pole vaulting? No. Motorcycle hill climbing? No, 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 no. Sky riding. Oh, no, you're way off. Well, I'll have to think of something a little more sensible. Uh, but this is very sensible. Uh, Chickasaw Indian tap dancing. Oh, Liz, really? I... A Chickasaw Indian tap dancing. Oh, I wonder if they teach that at Arthur Murray. Now, we're not talking about Arthur Murray. <laughs> What's your surprise? Well, uh, you, you'd better sit down. I don't need to sit down. What is it? I'm going to get married. Uh, I see you decided to sit down. I always do when my knees buckle. You, you seem so surprised, dear. I, I suppose you thought that I, I was too old to get a husband. I thought no such thing. You're very beautiful. Oh, I do have a few wrinkles, though. 
Of course, just on the outside. That's right, Mother. <laughs> and they're just happy little crow's feet. Oh, oh, I know you're going to love your new father, Liz. <laughs> tell me all about him. Who is he? Where'd you meet him? What's he like? Well, his name is Daniel Carson, and I met him in Houston. Oh, he's a real Texan, Liz. He's just like Gary Cooper. Not quite that tall, of course, and, and, and a little older, and, and he wears bifocals. Oh, but he's just like Gary Cooper. Well, they're, they're both men. <laughs> well, he sounds grand, darling. How'd you meet him? I, I was walking past the theater, and as he rushed up to buy his ticket, he knocked me down. Uh, he was in quite a hurry. It was a Randolph Scott picture. He really did sweep you off your feet. Skin both my elbows. <laughs> and he, he apologized, and he asked me to see the picture with him. But of course, uh, Young girl couldn't accept an invitation from a man she she didn't know. <laughs> of course not. Uh, but I'm not a young girl, so I accept it. <laughs> Mother, hmm? do you suppose this man could be after your money? Not that you aren't beautiful. Oh, no, 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 dear. He's quite wealthy himself. He owns several oil fields. Oh, he has a huge ranch, factories, and... Oh, dear. What's wrong, Mother? You don't suppose I'm after his money, do you? <laughs> See, now, you were in Houston last April. Have you been engaged all this time without telling us? Oh, no, no, dear. Dan and I have been corresponding, and, and it just happened. He asked me in his last letter. What did he say? Dan isn't a man of many words, dear. He, well, here's his letter. You read it. <laughs> <clears throat> My dear Louise. Howdy. <laughs> Love, Dan <laughs> P.S. Will you marry me? Oh, I I've read it over and over again I almost know it by heart <laughs> oh, You know, he he's coming in on the five o'clock train, Liz and he's, I've made all the arrangements for the church Now, just a minute, Mother Before you go any further I think we'd better have a little talk A talk? Well, what about, dear? Well, Mother, you're getting married, and I think there are a few things that you should know. Oh, Liz, dear. <laughs> Don't you remember ten years ago when you were going to get married? Didn't I take you into the parlor for a little talk? Yes. Well, I haven't forgotten any of the things you told me. <laughs> oh, dear, I... I thought little Susan Palmer could be the flower girl, and, and maybe George could be the best man. Oh. <laughs> Why, Liz, dear, what's wrong? I'm just so happy for you. Well, then, then why are you crying? Well, you cried when I married George. Well, that was different, dear. Oh, mother. My little mother. Oh, Liz. <laughs> Liz, darling. Please don't cry. Oh, Mother, I can't help it. You'll understand someday when you have one of your own. <laughs> Liz? In here, George. Oh, hello, honey. Kiss, kiss. Come on, give me a kiss. Kiss, kiss, kiss. I want a kiss. Give me a kiss. What's the matter? I never board a train when it's moving. Well, it's standing in the station now, ready for refiring. <laughs> Nuts. 
Mm. Okay, conductor? Mm-hmm. Steam's way up. Careful you don't burst your boiler. When there's any danger, the whistle blows. Kiss me again. Watch out, George. Uh, can I carry your bags, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, wait till I tell you about the about Mother's secret. Yeah, what is it? I can't tell you. It's a secret. Liz. George, a secret's only a secret if it's kept a secret. You know about the whispering grass. The grass told it to the trees, and the, the trees told it to the breeze. You understand, George? Yes, very clear. Your mother's been out in the grass whispering to trees. <laughs> Just forget about it, darling. You'll find out. Better get dressed for dinner. Won't tell me, huh? Uh-uh. All right. You have your secret. I have mine. <laughs> I just thought of something. <laughs> oh, what are you laughing about? Nothing, but if you're going crazy, I want to go with you. <laughs> I'm not going crazy, Liz. I was just thinking about the time I took Myra Ponsonby on the hayride. You've always wanted to hear what happened. <laughs> you're not going to get me to tell you Mother's secret that way. No, of course not. Forget it, Dad. You think you're pretty sly. Who cares what happened when you went on the hayride with Myra? What could happen on a hayride? <laughs> you're just trying to arouse my curiosity, but it won't work. I've gone on hayrides, lots of hayrides. They were all in the spirit of good fun. We'd go down some dark, lonely country road, stop the wagon. Some of the couples would go blackberry picking. We'd just sit there in the hay and... George Cougar, what happened on that hayride? It's a secret, remember? The grass? The heck with the grass. What about the hay? Well, you tell me your secret, I'll tell you my secret. All right, Mother's getting married. Now what... George, what happened? I bit the stem off my pipe. Your mother's what? Getting married. Now what happened on the hayride? Oh, Jimmy Paterno dropped his cigar and we had a weenie bake instead. <laughs> Now, Liz, now, now, what's this business about your mother getting married? Well, we're going to meet her fiancé tonight. Mother met him in April. They've been corresponding, and in his last letter, he proposed. Hmm. Where'd your mother meet him? In Houston, in front of a theater. You mean he picked her up? He knocked her down first. <laughs> now, hurry and get dressed, George. We want to look nice when we meet him. All right, but I wish your mother had consulted me first. I might have refused his proposal. I should hope so. You're already married. Mother, mother, sit down and relax Oh, oh, I, I can't, Liz Dan will be here any minute <laughs> Now you've got to calm down, Mrs. Elliot Yes I remember how nervous I was when Liz and I got married But I had a simple formula for overcoming it Oh, well, what was it? He fainted <laughs> I didn't faint, I just relaxed all of a sudden. Oh, oh I, I'm so nervous. I, I haven't been this upset since the day my scales were broken, and I thought I'd gain 200 pounds. <laughs> There's your man, Mrs. Elliot. Oh, 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 now, 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 don't all of you stare at me. <laughs> I'll let him in. Hello, ma'am. Uh, hello, Dan. Will you come in? Reckon I will. <laughs> uh, 
Are you embarrassed, Dan? Nope. Well, reckon I'll be going now. You, you just arrived, you well, know. just don't know what to say, Louise. I ain't a man of many words. Had me a long-winded speech wrote down on the back of a cigarette paper. Forgotten smoking. <laughs> well. Yeah. <clears throat> Mother. Oh, Liz, dear, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we kind of forgot our manners, Louise, standing here chattering like a couple of blue jays. Yes. Oh, Dan, this is my daughter, Elizabeth. Hello, Mr. Carson. Hmm, even prettier than the picture your mama sent me. Mother sent you my picture? Yep, laying on a blanket, taking your bottle. (laughs) Well, I've changed quite a bit since then. Yeah. You're a lot longer now. <laughs> Got a little more hair, too. Well, when I was a baby, I used to wear my hair very close to my head, under the skin. I'm uh, George Cougat, Liz's husband. How do you do, Mr. Carson? Well, hiya, George. Hey, I like the way you shake hands real tight, like you mean it. Oh, uh, you, you have quite a grip yourself. Yeah, I hate wishy-washy shake. Like to feel a friendship bear. Ain't never forgot Herb Jackson, the friendliest feller I ever met. Broke seven bones in my hand. <laughs> I'll be having dinner in a moment, Dan. Uh, would you care to go upstairs and wash? No. Took care of it before I left Houston. <laughs> well, I'd better wash. I've never been to Houston. Uh, I got a little surprise for you, Louise. Oh, a surprise, Dan. Well, what is it? Oh, it's coming later. Yeah, I guess I'm ready for Chuck now. Chuck, Mr. Carson? Yeah, that's what we call dinner in Texas, Lizzie. What about late at night when you go down to the icebox and sneak a snack? What do you call that? Snuff. Enjoy your dinner, Mr. Carson? Oh, I reckon it did, George. It's mighty fine grub. Grub? What's grub? Chuck. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for that surprise, Dan. Well, it ought to be here in a little while, Louise. Mr. Carson, uh, I understand you have some oil property in Texas. Yeah, yeah. It was originally my granddaddy's. He got it from some Indians. Swapped them for it. Swapped them for oil property? What did he give them? Colored beads, bits of cloth, fire water? No. $650,000. <laughs> Mr. Carson, uh, I understand along with your oil properties, you have quite a ranch, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got me a nice big ranch. Ain't it, Louise? It's really tremendous. What do you call your ranch, Mr. Carson? Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) What about my surprise, Dad? Well, it ought to be here any minute, Louise. Let's see. Well, this is sure going to be a fine wedding. A pretty bride. (laughs) And you'll be a rather handsome groom yourself, Dan. (laughs) Well, I went to a lot of trouble for the ceremony. Spent all day yesterday at the chiropractor's having my legs straightened out. (laughs) You should have kept your pants on. They're still (laughs) bow-legged. Tell me, uh, do you have a horse, Mr. Carson? Oh, now there's something that I like to talk about. You bet I got me a horse. His name is Shotgun. Shotgun? Do you feed him or load him? Oh, he's a good old horse. Had him for 18 years. Showing his age a little. 
graying around the tail. <laughs> oh, now that's nice. I think a gray tail makes a horse look distinguished. As I always say, an old horse is just as good as a new horse. I've never heard you say that, George. Well, you've never been around while I was talking to an old horse. Uh. <laughs> Why don't we all go out on the porch? Oh, I reckon that's your surprise now, Louise. Excuse me. Oh, what do you suppose that silly boy's gotten me? Mother, you're holding that third finger out too conspicuously. Well, well, uh, here's your surprise, Louise. Come on in, Flem. Greetings from Texas, everybody. Gee, ho. Flem's more saddle buddy, Louise. He's gonna be our best man. Dan, you old horn-swoggled son of a rattlesnake. Slim, you old saddle sore mule buster. You old leather-eating coyote. You old thieving noose dodger. You old horn-toed. You old sippy cat. You old prairie dog. You old... You... <laughs> Dan, uh, he's going to be our best man? Yeah, some surprise, huh, Lou? Uh, Slim, this year is Louie. So that's her. Well, doggone, climb my banjo, bust my bridges, doggone. Gull darn, ding dong darn, Dan. Slim says he likes your figure, Lou. <laughs> oh, mother's always had nice gall derns. Oh, <laughs> here's a little gall dern, something I brung you, Miss Lou. For when you and old ding dong Dan set up gall dern housekeeping, doggone. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh, towels. Uh, how nice. Aren't they, Liz? Oh, yes. Look, George. A set. Hers and hisn. <laughs> I'll be right back, Liz. I think we're going to need some smelling salts. I heard that. If you don't like my vapor, just open some windows. Dog gone, Dan. Who's the strawberry roll? Oh, this is my daughter, Liz. God darn it, she's pretty. A ding-dong redhead, too. Makes me want to kick off my boots and jump smack dab barefoot into a doggone tub of sow belly. Bust my britches. Bust my britches. Bend over. <laughs> Told Cone Dan, I just can't wait no longer. I've got a god darn surprise for you outside. Music for your wedding. Music, Dan? <laughs> yeah, just a minute. Oh, I mean, that's a doggone minute. Oh, Slim, you brought the sons of the singing sagebrush. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take that sunshine away. Slim say about music for our wedding? Oh, I know they ain't the best, Miss Lou, but Spade Cooley weren't available. Oh, there ain't no finer music in the sons of the singing sagebrush. Sing some of that there wedding music firm, sons. I'm ahead for the last round of... <laughs> oh, horse. Make up your mind. Men! Son! Mr. Carson. You ever thought that Mrs. Elliot may have other plans for the music at her wedding? Uh, Lou? Why, Lou is loco about the sons, ain't you, Lou? Well, then, uh, they were all right when we went to the barn dance in San Antonio, but I, I had planned on other music for the wedding, and I, I more or less thought that George could be the best man. Oh, I'm being the best man. I, 
Who's George? I'm George. Ah, look at here, George. Shoot him, Slim. <laughs> George is going to be the best man, aren't you, George? I say I'm going to be the best man. What do you say, George? Well, Liz, I think Slim really has his heart set on it. Is this going to be a wedding or is this going to be a weapon? That's a very good question. Well, let me hear some more of that wedding music, son. Oh, promise me that someday you and I will take our love together to some time. Wahoo! Son! Oh, shut up! Shoot him, Slim! Shotgun sure would love them. George, where are those smelling salts? How's your mother, dear? Doctor says she'll be all right. All she needs is quiet. Fine. I got a room in town for the surging sons of the screaming sage. <laughs> Did they mind leaving? Yes, I think they were a little hurt. As they walked away. They were singing something called, I don't think they like us here and I wish we were back in Texas blues. <laughs> Poor mother. The way she tried to smile when Slim brought in that box of dirt so their marriage could be held on Texas soil. <laughs> I can see the write-up of the wedding in the paper. To the soft strains of Beat My Desert Doggy Ate to the Bar, <laughs> Louise Elliott and Daniel Carson were married. On the altar, campfires blazed brightly. And the highlight of the affair was when the bride threw her bouquet of cactus and pinned three flower girls to the parson. I won't let your mother go through with it, Liz. Well, Mother confided in me, George. She doesn't want to go through with it. She doesn't? No, but unless Mr. Carson leaves, she'll have to marry him. Oh, fine. Well, what could possibly make Mr. Car Carson leave? Who is it? It's me. It's Dad. Well, speak of the Carson. Hello, Liz. George. Uh, Mr. Carson, you look so sad. Well, I can't help it, Lizzie. It's a terrible thing that's happened. Terrible thing. Oh, Mother's going to be all right, Mr. Carson. Don't worry. It ain't your mother. Shotgun's down with a hoof and mouth disease. Shotgun? You're more worried about your horse than Mrs. Elliot? Well, I reckon I'd be pretty worried about her, too, if she had hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> Poor old shotgun. I just got a phone call about him from a Western Union office. I got to go to shotgun. You aren't leaving? Yeah, reckon so. But I'll always remember Louise. I'm gonna keep the picture I got of her. And I'd be obliged if... if she'd keep my box of dirt. <laughs> well, I'm sure she will, Mr. Carson. Well, goodbye, Liz. Bye, George. Goodbye, Mr. Carson. Uh, don't bother to shake. I'll just slam the door on my hand. <laughs> Goodbye, and I hope Shotgun gets his hoof out of his mouth. <laughs> Liz, he's gone. And Mother has a box of dirt. Uh, what'll she do with it? Oh, it'll make nice Christmas presents for people who don't have dirt. <laughs> Darling, he's gone, but... Let's not make light of it. He was a nice old guy. Yeah. You don't have anything against him, do you? Why, certainly not, George. I hope his horse will be all right. It'd be a shame if Shotgun popped off before he got back. 
<laughs> Liz, I can't get over the coincidence of this thing. Here we're sitting in our room, and you're saying how nice it would be if Mr. Carson left. In walks Mr. Carson. Had a phone call from Western Union, and he's leaving. Positively amazing. Well, I guess we can go break the news to your mother. She already knows about it. What? I made the phone call from her room. Liz. Want to send you... a telegram? <laughs> Sleep? No, dear. I can't sleep. Why not? I keep lying here waiting for you to say, George, are you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> Do you love me, George? Madly. Would you swim oceans to be at my side? I'd swim oceans to be at your side. Would you climb mountains to be at my side? I'd climb mountains to be at your side. Would you get up and get me a glass of water? <laughs> no. Why not? I'm pooped from climbing those mountains and swimming those oceans. <laughs> Please get me a glass of water, George. All right. Hmm. What smells so good? I left the top off my taboo. Hmm. I thought it was night-blooming jasmine. Why does jasmine only bloom at night? Oh, they have a very strong union. <laughs> I love you, George. I love you, too. Remember, I want cold water. That's the left faucet. Yes, Liz, the left faucet. Oh, George, I've changed my mind. I'd like a Coke instead. Okay. Which faucet is the Coke? <laughs> oh, never mind. You'd have to go downstairs. I don't want you to leave me. I'll take water. Here you are, darling. Thanks, little cuddle puddle. You're welcome. A little drip. <laughs> Good night, honey. Good night, dear. <laughs> What's the matter, Liz? You got a feather leak in your pillow? <laughs> no. I was just thinking that I'm pretty clever. Today I figured out a way to make someone not marry someone. And if I wanted to, I could scheme a way to make someone marry someone. You really think you could? Mm-hmm. I did it once. You schemed a way to make someone marry someone? Yes. Who? Good night, George. My Favorite Husband has been presented through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. 
The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.